0: Hear the Gospel of our Saviour Christ according to Saint Luke, chapter 20, beginning at verse 27. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Some Sadducees, those who say there is no resurrection, came to him and asked him a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow, raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first married and died died childless. Then the second. Then the third married her. And so in the same way all seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. In the resurrection therefore whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had married her. Jesus said to them, those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore, because they are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush, where he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now he is God not of the dead, but of the living, for to him all of them are alive. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. little aside, I wonder if that's where they got the musical Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. <laughs> but I'm not going to speak on that passage. I recently spent some time in Israel at the International Conference for CMJ. And the journey going, and uh, especially coming home, were fraught to say the least. Going out, I was searched three times by security. First at Belfast, before I even got on an airplane. They took away my contact lens solution. The security man said to check. But it hadn't even been opened, because the seal hadn't been broken. Then in Luton, I got the full body search and was asked to show my hands. And then she said, can I feel your waist? And I was nearly tempted to say to her, well, if you can find it, uh, by all means. <laughs> I was searched both arriving and leaving Luton. And I asked Mary Lynn, the poet, who was accompanying me, as to why I was searched and she wasn't. Uh, so she said i looked too innocent. <laughs> and then when we got to Sophia, um we had quite a long journey uh, she uh, put her case up onto the revolving thing and i went to lift mine up and the wee man says to me "No, no, it's all right you can just walk on right that way so i didn't even go through the thing that went beep beep so i didn't get uh, searched on that time but of course getting on to the flights entailed a shuttle bus if you've ever been on one of those and taking us either to a different terminal or out to the airplane itself when we were in those bigger airports. And there were more people crowded onto the bus than should be legal. And as the bus moved, you know, the it jerks. Well, I had to put my feet, plant them firmly on the uh, floor of the bus. And then I had to find something or someone to hold on to as the overhead differs hanging on things, are far too high up for me. So there I was in this bus, lurching to our destination, buffeted by suitcases, backpacks, and people. So I totally get the phrase from Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. Stand firm and keep a strong grip. (laughs) (laughs) And the grip wanting, but anyway. keep a strong grip on the teaching we passed on to you, both in person and by letter. Tom Wright puts it like this. That is precisely the position Paul is recommending to the young church. There are troubled times on the way, and like a small boat crossing a turbulent waterway, and we have seen many of that, haven't we, over the, the past years with those small boats coming through the channel. The little ship of the church is going to be tossed to and fro. What then, what that's sorry, when that's happening, they need to know how to stand upright and what to hold on to. Paul is telling the church to hold tightly to the fundamental Christian teachings that he spoke to them when he was with them and followed up in his letter writing. And these teachings are. Um, really about three things in particular. The basic facts of the gospel, and as we read in one of his letters, 1 Corinthians 15, let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believed something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead. On the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. The second thing is the central acts of the worshipping community, such as baptism and the Eucharist, as we are going to (coughs) see here together. In Romans 6 we read, For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Don't worry, I'm not going to go over all the words of the Eucharist, because we're going to actually do that when we come to the service itself. But thirdly, the fundamental principles of Christian behaviour, particularly the mutual support he calls agape, which we all know as love. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor, and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So Paul is telling the young believers to hold fast and to hold tight to these things. And they won't go far wrong. Well, this is as true for you and for me today, as it was in the first century. But what do people hold fast to today? Well, the greedy hold fast to their wealth. The sexual predators hold fast to their perversion. Those who desire power hold fast to their status. Those who desire beauty try to hold fast to their youth. Those who get drunk and drug addicts hold fast to their poison. The self-righteous hold fast to their outward holiness. And the self-proclaimed intellectuals hold fast to their educational achievements. will ask the question this evening of us. How are we standing firm? And what are we holding fast to? What are we as devoted followers of Christ supposed to hold fast to? And I'm sure we can all give me the answers. We must hold fast to the Lord. We must hold fast to the commandments of the Lord. We cannot hold fast to what we do not know, and we cannot discern what is false if we do not know what is true. Without that knowledge, we cannot hold fast to anything. That's why we're here at this college, to learn, and to learn more about Christ to be able to go out into the parishes and the places that they're sent to or indeed around the world uh, with different societies into the mission field. But we have to learn it first and know it for ourselves and know it in our hearts. There's a lot happening in our world just at this time And we know that people are suffering because of drought, while others are suffering because of flooding. And we know that COP 27 and all the things about climate change going on, wars are raging not just in Ukraine, but in Syria and in Yemen. People in Iran their mobile phones taken from them as they walk down the street, as they go about their business, as they go into the shops. And you know, if a Bible app is found on their phone, they are then beaten. Will we have the strength and the courage to walk down the street, there, with our phones in our hands, and have our Bible app? My friends, there's also a rise in racism and in anti-Semitism. There's so much happening in our world at this time. And we could so easily become disillusioned and fail to stand firm in our beliefs or hold tight to the truth of the Gospel. Yes, we know that ultimately God is in control. But, you know, we're not just to sit back and do nothing. We are part of the journey and the story. We need to share the gospel message that it will shine a light to others. It will shine the light of God's truth. So, standing firm and holding fast can be seen as a negative thing as it was for me at the of the story with our journey but standing firm and hold fast holding fast is also an encouraging message for us today it's easy to feel discouraged or depressed or overwhelmed and end up doing nothing or giving up in despair this is a time to remind ourselves that we have god's eternal comfort and good hope as we read in Thessalonians, now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace give us eternal comfort and a wonderful hope, comfort you and strengthen you in every good thing you do and say. And in this place, in the societies that we are part of, we are to encourage one another to stand firm, to hold on tight And whilst doing that, celebrate the greatness of God. Let us pray. God of comfort and God of hope, when the troubles of the world alarm us or overwhelm us, when we're confused and don't know who to believe, when we struggle to see the truth, when we despair over the damage to your earth, when we weep with the starving and the dying, when the comfort of your love seems far away, God love, comfort our hearts, and strengthen us in every good work and word, and help us to stand firm and to hold fast to your love. Amen. Amen.